The purpose of this podcast is to focus on recovery from life situations, be it a disease, chronic or acute, perhaps the loss of someone so dear to you in death, or a change of life patterns that has affected you so profoundly that you have no choice but to find your new normal and become focused on moving forward. Each episode is designed to show the positivity that people bring to each and every one of their stories, the successes they've had, ways that they have become so definitively focused on moving forward. We look forward to sharing their stories, and we hope that they inspire you just as much as they have inspired us. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another Friday night live edition of Focused on Forward. I was enjoying my conversation with my guest tonight so much that we were almost late to start this. Kind of recognized that we got about five or six seconds left. And I'm like, ah, we got to go. So anyway, uh, very excited to have Kate Wallinga with us tonight. And we're going to have a really nice conversation with her. I'm looking forward to hearing about um, she broke her back in 2014. We're going to talk about that, how she overcame that. And really how she's moved forward in life uh, with that uh, back injury and, and what she's doing now to kind of help herself out. And then we're going to talk about, as the title of the show is, Ignorance Was Bliss. That's actually the, the name of Kate's podcast. Uh, it's a really cool show. And so I'm, I'm super stoked to have Kate here with us tonight. But before I bring her in uh, from the, the virtual green room, uh, we do have to say thank you to our sponsor, Vital Signs and Graphics who handles all the design graphic prints area for the greater West Michigan area. If you're looking for logos and designs, they're the folks you need to pay attention to. In fact, here's a video from our sponsor. Since 1982, Vital Signs and Graphics has been helping professionals with all their image, logo, and design needs. Perhaps you're looking for signs and banners, truck and trailer lettering, business cards, brochures, or other image and marketing aids Vital Signs and Graphics in-house design studio has you covered. From logos to apparel, start to finish, Vital Signs and Graphics has everything you need to look and feel professional. Call Rick at 231-652-3300. He'll get you noticed. All right, and that's our, our sponsor, Vital Signs and Graphics, so thank you to those guys for for uh, helping us out. Now let's bring in from the virtual green room. Let's bring in our guest, Kate Wallinga. Hi, Kate. Hello. How are you? I am dandy. All right. So thank you so much for being here tonight, setting aside a little bit of your Friday evening to have a chat with us here and, and uh, share your story. I, yeah, it's you, you say that as though I would have anything else to do on a Friday night. But yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's that's half the fun of, uh, in my opinion, of doing podcasting is you have an opportunity not to just talk with other people, but to talk with other podcasters and, you know, and, and hear about what they do and how they're doing it. And so uh, we'll get to your show in a, in a few minutes. But uh, what I'd like to do right now and the way we do things here on Focused on Forward is I'm going to turn the microphone over to you for a few minutes and let you tell your story uh, about your back injury. And I'll jump in with some questions every now and then. Sure. I mean, it was a challenge for me to decide, like, which exactly of the catastrophes of my life should we focus on? But, you know, the back injury is a pretty clear and, and obvious sure. one. Um, I have a, a chronic health condition. It's called ankylosing spondylitis, which is an autoimmune disorder. Okay. 
effectively my body believed that I need a second spine. And so the, the colloquial name for it is called bamboo spine because that's kind of what it looks like. It's a, it's a sheath of bone that grows from the tailbone up and fuses all of your vertebrae. Um, not fun, don't recommend it. And over time you lose flexibility, you lose your ability to move around very easily and it's pretty painful. And that sheath of bone is very, very brittle. It's very easy to break. And that's what happened to me is that I'd started the ankylosing process and I was on a kid's playground. I have a lot of kids. So, you know, and I, uh, I was, uh, you know, sort of not really quite paying attention. And I, st all I did was step wrong. I didn't fall down or oh. jar into anything. I just stepped wrong, but it was with enough force that it, it broke not one of the vertebrae, but the, the connecting ankylosed part of okay. the spine. Um, but that's, as I said, it's very brittle. And so it just snapped and shattered. Um, not real fun. And it's very dangerous because now you've got this super sharp shards of bone that are right next to your spinal column. Um, mm. You know, not not safe in many ways and so yeah. that was in 2014 and it was frustrating she says as an understatement it was frustrating <laughs> because i had i had a major health incident in 2010 and that that one left me on home health care for a full year and so i had only just gotten back to work um in late 2011 Okay. Or so. And I was only starting to feel like I was hitting my stride again. We bought a house and I felt settled in. And then this. And I actually, you know, so I, I went to the ER and, and was was seen that way. And, and they were like, there's really not a whole lot we can do. You know, I was in an immobilizer for a couple of days, mm -hmm. a couple of weeks, I guess. But there's really not a whole lot they can do. There was not a surgery that they could safely do. And they determined that there were no shards of bone that were you know, actively threatening my spinal column. So they were like, just um, don't do that again. It's like, thanks. Thanks, doc. Yeah, I won't walk. Thanks. Okay. Yeah, cool, cool. So I, I never lost my ability to walk. I never lost uh, sensation in my okay. extremities or that kind of thing. So in, in that case, I guess I was lucky. Yeah. Um, but it hurt a whole lot. A really super lot. And I tried to go back to work um, maybe mm. a month later or so. And I made it about a day and a half, maybe two days. And I, I, I went into work. I was working at a job that was in, um, I did crisis work. And so I was going into emergency rooms or people's homes if they were saying that they had suicidal or homicidal thoughts or if they were having a psychotic break, that kind of thing. And I was helping assess can they safely go home again or do they need to go to a psych hospital? So that's a lot of walking around. It's a lot of unfamiliar terrain, that sort of deal. And so I made it about a day and a half and I went into the ER where I was working and I finished seeing a, a, a client and I went out to the nurse's station and I sat down and I just burst into tears. And I mean, I'm not a crier by any mm -hmm. means. And I just, I, I was just done. I, I could not, I couldn't function around the pain. And this is as a chronic pain condition. I was like, Oh, no big deal. I, I just hurt a little more than usual. It's fine. But no, it was not fine. 
And okay. so I went home that day and the next morning I went in and I met with my bosses and I was like, I'm done. I'm going on short-term disability and never went back. So I've been on disability since 2014. Okay. So what was the, you know, you mentioned that, that you're, you know, used to chronic pain and, and a couple of other people that I've talked to have had chronic pain issues. Like you said, it's, it's something where they're, they get used to a certain level of pain and they just deal with it and it becomes part of their, their daily life, what they do, how they do, when they do. Describe the difference, if you don't mind, the difference between your chronic daily pain and what this was. I mean, like, it's hard to put to say, hey, give us a percentage difference, but, you know, something where we can kind of measure it to know what what difference of level we're talking about. I mean, my, the, the baseline pain, it was what I, you know, I have a lot of bone spurs and, and nerve damage. And so there's a fair, it's often sharp pain and sort of a grinding ache, I would describe. Okay. And one of the diagnostic criteria sort of, of ankylosing spondylitis is that your first hour of the day is miserable. You, you wake up and the first hour is just like literally can't get out of bed kind of kind of okay. pain. Um, it, it's not really clear to me exactly what that's about. It's somewhat that you don't move much during during sleep. You know, you get kind of you hold still and you get heavier into the mattress or you may maintain the same position. Cause one of the things that helps the most for me is to be able to change whatever I'm doing. So to move around or to get up and walk around a little bit, like I can't stand, I can't walk, I can't sit, I can't lie down for long periods of time. I have to change it up. Okay. Right. And so first thing in the day, got first hour, not good. And then I'll take my morning meds and through the day it gets better. It gets more manageable. And then at the end of the day, I'll get sort of a fatigue and soreness from like a mechanical pain. Okay. You know, like people are used to, if you've ever, you know, pulled a muscle or, you know, sure. Broken a bone that, that kind of mechanical style pain that people are more familiar with that happens by the end of the day. And so that was my norm. When I broke my back, it was, that plus these random moments of screaming, stabbing misery. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you know, it, it's it like it's not not as fun as sexy as people seem to think it would be. I, I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> so it was it was just I, I thought I could push through because I thought I had these coping mechanisms for dealing with chronic pain. This was when I was home, it was just a little more than usual. And I hadn't realized how many more breaks I was taking and how much more downtime I had. Oh, okay. And All right. At work, you can't do that. No, no. Yeah. You, they expect you to push through. So, all right. So let's talk about the, the mental emotional side of this. Now you said that when this happened, you, you had already had one health incident a, a few years prior. You're just kind of getting back up to speed for yourself. So, what was the the initial mental emotional you know weight it it was real bad i i uh, you know i i often i think the mental emotional side of 
dealing with chronic pain and dealing with injuries is worse than the physical because the physical has sort of a a visible aspect to it you're 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 visibly either you have an injury that people can see or you're limping or something they can look at you know you're wincing when it hurts when you're hurting mentally people don't know like i'm real good at poker face and you know i as has already been demonstrated i tend toward dark humor when i'm <laughs> you know just at baseline so understood you know it, it i felt like i had crawled back like i literally I coded several times in 2010. I literally died several times. And oh, my. So, okay. You know, to feel like I had crawled back from from death, from the you know being in the the ICU and them telling my husband to start planning the funeral, and feeling like I had come back from that, and I had gone back to work full time, and I was really sort of proud of that, and I loved my job. Like. I felt useful and I felt competent and smart again. And now that was all being taken away from me again. And I have now I have four children at the time we had three. My fourth is adopted. Um, okay. So she came along after that. Um, but I felt like I, I needed to show these kids that, you know, it's not that mom can do anything, but that it's okay to try. And now I have to mm -hmm. show them that it's also okay to fail. And that's, that's, that's rough. And, and I, I was pretty sure I was not going to be able to rebound because I think everybody has a certain number of sort of bounces that your rubber ball gets in life. And I was pretty sure I wasn't going to rebound enough to go back to work. And it turns out I have not been that I've had another break since then. And, um, Oh, okay. It's just, this is, this is what it's going to be is that it's very brittle and I'm going to have, random moments of excruciating pain and I can't make a workplace be dependent on me when I don't know right right from day to day and so I went into a very dark headspace mm -hmm. and depression you know people think of depression as being sad right I, w I would have given any amount of money time inappropriate behavior, whatever it took to feel sad. I would have loved that. Depression for me is feeling nothing. I just, it's numb and it's dark and it's an inability to see into the future. Like I used to think about the, you know, my horizon would, would pull very close to my face and I couldn't see into next year or next month or sometimes my husband would ask me what I would like for dinner and I couldn't think that far ahead. You know, it, it just, everything becomes distanced and, and difficult to connect with. And I had kind of, this is another thing that I had gone through in 2010 and crawled out of. And so I recognized what was happening and the fun extra thing for me, I have a lot of this. I have a, my medically, I am a mess is that I have epilepsy. And so oh, okay having epilepsy means you can't take a lot of antidepressants right? because they lower your seizure threshold. And I've had some seizures on antidepressants, so I can't take antidepressants safely. So that meant I'm going to have to white knuckle it through this. And I don't do that, especially gracefully. And so it was a lot of, I mean, I think I went to, I, you know, I, I literally stopped at target on my way home from telling my bosses that I was going on, uh, short-term disability 
And I bought a bunch of like sweatpants and, you know, pandemic gear, basically. Sure. Yeah. And um, but I bought that back, you know, before it was cool because I'm a hipster that way. And um, <laughs> and sure. so, you know, I bought all these these clothes and I, I effectively didn't get out of bed for months. And then when I did, it was to sort of sit on the couch and not really interact. And I I felt like the whole world was moving around me, but that I wasn't really engaging in it. Okay. I and I felt very lost and I felt very broken and that brings this whole pile of other issues you you don't feel interesting you don't feel smart you don't feel attractive you don't feel compelling like all of these things that you want to be able to feel I lost all of that mm-hmm. and so I went into a pretty dark place for a pretty long time okay Yeah, I think sometimes I think people have a misconception over what depression is and what depression isn't, Um, because I think a lot of times in um, the way Hollywood portrays it is that, like you said, oh, we're just sad. I'm I'm unhappy about something. Um, And and that can be part of depression, truthfully and clearly. Uh, But there are, you know, um, (laughs) hate to use a Shrek reference here, but, you know, depression has layers. Uh, (laughs) It's like an onion. Onions have layers. Depression has layers. And there's different layers to which people go to uh, with depression. And so it's not a one size fits all. Um, And I think that's, I always want to make sure that people understand that there is that just kind of like a disclaimer almost when it comes to discussions about depression. And that it's not just this one thing and this one thing only. So, okay. So it had a pretty adverse effect on you, clearly. Um, so how did you work on on moving past some of these things? Because clearly these aren't things that you can put in your rearview mirror and walk away from. These are things that you deal with on a day-to-day basis, things that you're going to have to, and you said you have some children at home and you said you wanted to be able to show them how to work through these things. So how did you uh, decide that you were going to uh, white knuckle, to use your expression, to white knuckle through some of these things? I mean, some of it was not. You don't have a choice, I feel like, with kids is that they don't need to see mom happy all the time. They don't need to see mom healthy all the time. It's okay for them to see you fall down. They have to see you try to get up again. Mm -hmm. They have to see you say that it's okay to fail because they're going to, right? And so I didn't feel like there was any pressure to be perfect, but I did feel like there there was a pressure to show my kids that you try at least. And that often, often it's easier for me to say, you know, to myself or sometimes out loud, I can't do, do a thing. Try anyway and get up and take that first step anyway, because I can always go back to bed. I can always get downstairs and start breakfast and realize "Mm, I can't do this today. This is, beyond me i'm gonna go back to bed and that's okay that's not a failure that's having tried and learned a thing and that's what we you know so when my kids say you know i'm sick i don't want to go to school today it's okay that's fine get up and try and if you still feel gross in 10 minutes then you can go back to bed Mm -hmm. but try um that helped um it's a whole story that i guarantee we don't have time for but the adoption for my fourth kid was mm-hmm. not planned at all. Um, she is the only of my children that was not um, 
intended, <laughs> but you know, she was a surprise. And um, she came from a trauma background. We okay. we were acquainted with her biological mother, and uh, just after the baby baby turned two, the mother kind of fell apart. And oh, okay. initially, it was a matter of stay here for a little while and will help you get on your feet again. And after a couple of months, I realized you are never going to get on your feet again. And because of choices that she was making in our lives, I'm being really diplomatic here. Um, because, of, because of uh, choices that she was making in her ways of making money and so on, uh, we invited her to move out. And oh, gotcha. her, okay. you can leave the baby with us and we'll take care of her while you get set up somewhere or you can take the baby with you but you can't stay and she said it'll be easier for me to get an apartment and that kind of thing without the kid so i'll leave her here okay like we can we can handle that and two weeks later she called and said i'm never going to get better you keep her oh my and we've never okay. seen her again so i had to be okay for that i had to be okay you go to court a lot for any sort of you know family court for adoption and for dealing with mm -hmm. guardianship and custody issues mm -hmm. and the child having come from a trauma background had a lot of psychiatric and medical needs that we had to help deal with and that sort of thing so it's sort of you don't have a choice you know that you have to get up you have to do the thing and that was actually really helpful for me like i think sometimes when people are looking at somebody who is hurt or sick they're like i don't want to bother you i don't want to i don't want to give you mm -hmm. too much and my answer to that is don't make that decision for me i will tell you if i can't handle something on a given day mm -hmm. and i know myself pretty well but don't you're not being nice to me you're being frankly a little condescending mm -hmm. if you decide that i can't handle it right. because i'm actually pretty competent and you know what it feels so strong and important and good when i do accomplish a thing so let me try and i'll say no if i can't do it and so that was sort of 2015 was was that year uh getting through the adoption process and then um after you kind of get in the habit of of functioning better mm-hmm here and there. So I still have my down days. I still have my down weeks, down months, depending on uh, circumstances that are going on. I'm not as resilient as I used to be either physically or mentally. And there are certain times of year that I just really, really struggle. Mm -hmm. But my kids are all older now. My oldest is 21 and my youngest is eight. And so they're pretty resilient. They're pretty high functional themselves. And so that helps a lot. And I look at them and I'm like, okay, they're they're like you know i love them because you have to that's the rule <laughs> but i like them like they're likable yeah. human beings so cool i'm doing something right that's good yeah my wife and i are always impressed that we still you know we love our children as well and we like them and we keep think we keep saying you know our oldest is uh is 22 he'll be 23 in february and we keep saying how did he turn out to be an okay kid you know, because, you know, we're, we're both like, I'm like, I know my personality and, you know, and she knows hers and we're like in the two of us combined. 
You're like, how did this happen? So I always like I, it, that. That just reminds me of conversations that my wife and I have uh, about our children. I'm like, you know, they're you know these guys aren't so bad. We actually kind of like them too. Kind of, you know. And and so for a long time for me it was just. I say just like it's minimal. It's not minimizing. It's just the thing that I focused on was either being a parent or being very clear with my husband about when I couldn't be a parent. Mm -hmm. And that was it. Th those were, I was either focusing on my own health or on my kids. And that was it. Um, by 2017, I was sort of hitting my stride there. Plus the kids were getting older and more functional. You know, we, as long as they can operate the microwave and the TV, they don't really care if mom's <laughs> having a bad day, you know, so that's fine. Right. And um, at the end of 2017, my father had a mental health crisis of his own and needed a place to live. Um, had a contentious divorce happen all at once. And okay. so, of course, you know, he, his option was homeless shelter or us. That was it. Those were his only. Oh, options. my. Okay. And so, of course, we said, yes, you can come stay here. And a month later, I sat my husband down and said, I'm either going to go to jail or I'm going to start a podcast. You choose. <laughs> <laughs> and so I have a podcast. There you go. And there's there it is. But I just, I needed something. I, I, I had lost myself. You know, I was always either somebody's daughter. Mm -hmm. My father just had. I mean, understand, like, I get it. I don't want to sound like I'm blaming who he was, and he has since mm -hmm. passed, but that he he had very high needs, both medically and mentally. Okay. And so he would literally follow me through the house like a baby duckling all day when I was used to having alone time, you know, oh, yeah. where I could sort of lie down and sure. effectively not function and allow myself to have a bad day with my back or whatever. And then get up when the kids got home from school. Now I can't do that because my father would literally come in my room and stand in the doorway and talk at me. And I would be like, Oh, hmm. yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. So I need, I, so, but as well, I needed something where I'm not somebody's daughter. I'm not somebody's mother. I'm not somebody's wife. I, I needed to find my own personality again. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, Sat my husband down, like I said, right around New Year's of 2018, said, I'm going to start a podcast. And I, my first episode came out approximately February 1st of 2018. Okay. Now, was that Ignorance Was Bliss? Is that yeah. is that how yes. Ignorance Was Bliss was started? Mm -hmm. All right. So before we get a little more into that story, just I want to make sure. So that, so we've talked about how you, you've started focusing on, on moving forward. Was there any one thing that, or is there any one thing that you do on a day-to-day -day basis that helps you? Well, the, the podcast is, is that, that's that, what, that is the you know, okay. without describing what the podcast is, just the fact that I had a project that I had a thing that allowed me to tap into some creativity and to feel productive again. Okay. And to remind myself that I have a voice and I have some worth and, and some things to say that you lose that really easily when you're recovering from a major physical or mental trauma. And so having this, you know, I had the kids for a while, but they didn't need me as much. And I never, I've never been a helicopter parent to begin with. And I also didn't want to be one of those. I thinking of a lot of specific people right now, you know who you are. I didn't want to be one of those people. 
was like, oh my God, my kids are growing up. What do I do? I was like, right. oh, thank God they're growing up. Whew, go away. <laughs> you know, in the nicest, most loving way, but please. Sure. Shoot. And, and so I needed to feel like I had something to fill that space so that I didn't end up with that like empty nest feeling. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. And now back to Focused on Forward. All right, so let's start talking about your podcast then, uh, and and how always a fan, always a fan. I love talking about podcasts, even even if it's not my podcast. I love hearing about other people's shows and what they mm -hmm. do and how they're doing it. So this is one of my favorite parts about having a podcast is that I get to talk with other podcasters about what they're doing and and you know how the show came to be and and all that. So let's let's go down to brass tacks of of ignorance was bliss. What's how did you come up with the concept or what is the concept of the show? Well, it has changed. So it started off, I'm, I'm a forensic psychologist mm -hmm. by training. And so I listened to a lot of true crime, um, sort of a busman's holiday kind of idea. Like this was stuff that was familiar to me and I just was used to it, and, you know, but I kept hearing the same questions be asked over and over of what does it mean to have schizophrenia or what does it mean to be not guilty by reason of insanity or why would the jury have done this? Whatever. And every time I'd be like, oh, oh, ask me. I know. And they wouldn't because I was listening to the show six months after it had been recorded, sitting alone on my couch. Sure. So they didn't ask me. And so I was like, all right, well, I'm going to start my own podcast and it'll be a true crime show, but sort of more explaining the psychology of it, what forensic psychology is and how to understand the criminal justice system. Like, the stuff I already knew, basically, I figured mm -hmm. I'd already done the schooling for it. So I might as well just use that instead of actually doing, you know, research. Right. And so that's where it started. And I stayed as pretty, pretty consistently true crime for maybe six months. And after a while, I realized I wanted to talk to all of these other creators that were out there as well. That were not, you know, they, I would be like, do you want to come on my show? And they would go, no. <laughs> no, because they didn't know true crime they didn't like true crime or whatever the case was and i was like you know what that's fair you know i don't have to be true crime i'll talk to anybody about mm -hmm. anything and so i started branching out and just now i i i literally i never know i know who i'm going to talk to next but i don't know what we're going to talk about we don't plan that most of the time it's oh, just sort of a conversation and we're going to see where it goes and we follow rabbit holes and it just sort of unrolls organically rather than being plotted out once in a while somebody will prefer to say like i want to talk about this book i've written or this case that fascinates me oh, okay. and i've had a couple of people who have even written scripts for my show which i find adorable and i can do that <laughs> <laughs> that's fine but for the most part it's extemporaneous it's just conversation okay well that in, in my opinion that actually makes your show even cooler so some of the some of the uh, episodes that i've listened to it actually the, the episodes kind of make a little more sense now um knowing that not that they didn't, weren't making sense before that probably sounds like they, they probably weren't it's i <laughs> entirely believe that <laughs> no it was actually a very logical conversation and the way because uh, we had talked pre-show uh, that I, I had today. I, in fact, I listened to your most recent episode um, with Megan from Crit Show. And 
you know, how you guys had flowed from talking about RPG games at one moment and then the next part of the conversation where you guys were talking about mental health and, and depression and, and all these things. And it was kind of interesting to me. I was like, well, that was kind of an interesting change. And I didn't know. So now knowing this now that it's it's extemporaneous and that you guys just kind of do it off the cuff and you're talking about it uh, to me that that that's even more fun, um, you know, uh, and, and not that. I mean, I, I don't have a script for this show. Most of what we're talking about is, I mean, I, I we have a basic idea of what we wanted to talk about, but that's about as as much as I ever do with this, is because I want the I want our our conversation to be authentic. I want our conversation to be natural, and and for people to hear what you're thinking and to people to hear what I'm thinking, not what I wrote down four hours ago, you know. Um, so, but yeah, so that and that also explains how you know uh, the change in your show, how you went from one, you know. Because, so, you know, and I'll, and I'll say this now, because we, again, this is something I said in the pre-show. One of the things I love about Ignorance Was Bliss is the fact that you have people from all walks. It's not just one set, you know, I'm going to only talk to authors or I'm only talking to, you know, true crime people or I'm only talking to, you know, junior pet detective people over here <laughs> or whatever it is. You know, you talk to a, a, a little bit of everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Let's let's talk about your show in a little bit more in, in, in depth. When, when you're going through a topic, you know, and, and you're and you said, like you said, it's all extemporaneous. What are some of the things? Are there are there topics that you try to avoid, or are there, or do you hit the gamut? For me, no. Um, I don't have any rule outs. I I have you know housekeeping that I do when I first connect with somebody. So what I do basically is sometimes I reach out to people. Other times people will reach out to me and say they want to come on either way. We set a time to, to record and I tell them to expect about 90 minutes. And I hear you, Laura laughing at me right now. Laura is one of my mods who just pointed out that I can't have a conversation that's less than three hours long. And she's kind of right. But um, I tell them at least it, it, it expect 90 minutes as a as, as a low ball anyway because for half an hour there's housekeeping and I want to understand how they speak I want them to understand how I speak so that we're not talking over each other a lot mm-hmm. I want to explain what my show is because I don't expect everybody who comes on my show to have listened to my show so I want to give them a little bit of a vibe that look you know I, I show them that every every recording that I do, it's not an interview. It's just a conversation. I show them that I start with a blank piece of paper in front of me and we just go from there. We just see what happens. And one of the questions I ask is, are there any topics that are off limits for you? Okay. Because it sounds scattered. Some of my episodes sound like, I don't know what we're going to talk about. We just go. But the reality is I kind of know what I'm doing. I spent a lot of time in school, so it's good that I, learned things and um so i can kind of tell if a conversation is moving in a direction um that the person is not comfortable with or has said sure i don't want to talk about the pandemic i don't want to talk about crime i don't want to whatever if that's the case i can kind of nudge it back in the other direction so each individual guest may have boundaries they set on it but for Mm -hmm. me i mean i've talked to 
authors and actors and podcasters. I've talked to one memorable gentleman who called me from a contraband cell phone from within a maximum security prison cell. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, you know, it's sort of, I'll talk to anybody. That's, that had to be an interesting show. I hadn't come across that episode yet. <laughs> so There's how- a lot. I worry, honestly, about the people who have heard all of my episodes. I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, you're you're a couple hundred in, aren't you? 321. Yeah, like I said, a couple hundred. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Wow. Um, so how oft- how often do you put out an episode then? I, I aim for two or three a week. Oh, okay. Because that, that, you know, my favorite thing is the talking to people, was getting to know people, making the connections. That's, you know, because mm-hmm. I've been in disability since 2014, right? And so I, I live a fairly isolated lifestyle. And so being able to connect with somebody and, and talk and learn mm-hmm. their story, collect stories, that's my, my, my best thing. But in order to be able to do that, I have to keep the output going. You know, sure. if I'm going to pull stories in, I have to push stories out at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can appreciate that. Um, so I work from home and for the most for the most part, I, I come into the shop here uh, a couple days a week with my dad and help him out and, and on some uh, some things. Um, but, you know, I used to be an on the road salesman. I was used to being in front of people and, and talking with people and, and doing all these things. And when you don't have that, there's a bit of a disconnect uh, from people and, and interactions with people. And you kind of get, there's a wantingness of having that. And then, uh, with everything my daughter went through with 2019, we were stuck in a hospital for, for almost a hundred days. And then the rest of the year, we were kind of just laying low because she was still recovering. And then 2020 came along with, you know, hello COVID, uh, and with her autoimmune issue, we had to stay home as well. And so, yeah. So for, for me, this has been, you know, that, that, that ability to reach out and, and touch someone and, and have a story with somebody, have a connection with someone. Uh, for me, that's been, this has been a very important part of my mental stability is, is being able to talk to other people. And, and I love being able to share in, in stories with people just like you. I, I love the, the fact that that's one of the things you appreciate because it, it's kind of, you know, a little bit of a kindred spirit feeling is that, I love hearing people's stories and it's not just the fact that they've gone through things. You know, everybody goes through, through something in their own way and their own pace. But I love how, I love hearing stories of triumph and how people have overcome something and how they've beat something. And this is, you know, I'm owning this, I'm moving forward. This is how I'm doing it. And so for me, that's kind of one of the big reasons why I got into doing what I do. But yeah, you know, for me, I, I am, less about the moral of the story is you know you're talking about triumph in the end mm-hmm. i'm willing to talk to people who are still in the 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 thick of it or oh sure yeah you know the, the number of people who tell me i don't have a story to tell i'm boring i don't i don't know what we talk about and i'm like okay you just waved a red flag at a bull because i <laughs> guarantee you got I'll a story one out <laughs> you know i mean and that's things you don't tell a psychologist you got nothing to say like come on so and that's, you know, some so, uh, some of my topics are, are about third person stories. You know, there are I've had a couple of people on who want to come and guest or who I want to. 
Um, I'm not above begging. And so <laughs> there are some people who I'm like, I just want to work with you. I don't care what we do. Anything. We could read little golden books. That's just anything. And right. so those are the ones that are more likely to be, if not scripted, then at least structured. Sure. And, and, and I'll work, I'll, you know, kind of whatever it takes to make the other person comfortable because it's just the best. Okay. I'm good with that. All right. So with 300, 321, did you say, or 324? 321. 321. So with 321 episodes under your belt, you've clearly had opportunity to kind of figure out what you're doing, how you're doing it, and, and kind of have your own system and methods in place. But one of the things I like to ask people uh, who, who do what we do is a question that's kind of asking, like asking you to pick which child is your favorite. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Do you have an episode that that maybe not, not necessarily your maybe not necessarily your favorite, but one that stands out that you go, if I tell people about my show, this is the one I say, hey, you might want to check this one out. Literally, never going to happen. Okay, and and the reason for that is that like I've had some famous people on bigger names, whatever you want to say. I hate that, but you know, sure, sure, people who are well known for one reason or another. Um, I've also had people with a listenership of zero who mm -hmm. you've never heard of before. Um, I have had, like I said, a range of topics, whatever. So if people ask me what, what episode should I start with, I try to get a sense of, well, what are you into? What do you, okay. what do you like to hear about? Because uh, I'm trying to think of an example. So for instance, um, two years ago, so 2019, I was, uh, I, I had the chance to talk to, Sky Borgman, who is the director of Abducted in Plain Sight, which is a documentary oh, yeah, yeah. on Netflix. Yeah. And, she, and she's lovely and kept it very topical, very well behaved. It was lovely. And um, I actually released that episode from the hospital myself because I had pneumonia at the time. So, you know, these are the things podcasters do, right? Free and, time to edit, might as well. <laughs> right? Well, seriously, if you listen to the... So what I do is I, I record the conversation as it is like, there's not a, Hey, welcome to ignorance was bliss. And today I'm talking to so-and-so I have them introduce themselves. And then later I do an intro and an mm -hmm. outro for each episode. Cause I don't know what we're going to talk about. So I can't introduce the episode yet. And so you can hear, if you listen to that episode, you can hear the beeping of my oxygen monitor or my heart monitor <laughs> in the background. I'm like, yeah, this is, this is on brand, but it was a good conversation and it was interesting to me. It was interesting to her as far as she said anyway. And I didn't get a lot of comments from it, from listeners, which is fine. They mm -hmm. do or they don't. And that's up to them. Right. Then by comparison, about three months ago or so, a friend of mine who does not have a podcast um, came on. And I didn't know what we were going to talk about. It was sort of on a bet a little bit that it came on my show. And um, within a couple of minutes, he mentions very offhandedly that he had been diagnosed with autism as an adult oh, and okay. what that was like and how did he know and what was his experience. And, and it ended up being this really compelling conversation. And I've gotten half a dozen or more uh, emails and DMs from people like, that episode really meant a lot to me. I've had people tell me that they called their doctor because of that episode. Oh, wow. You know, or that right, like big, like I get chills when I think about it. Cause like, that's, yeah, that's cool. 
that's real life stuff. And, and so, you know, how do you weigh those two? You know, one may have got more downloads than the other, but they're both important in their way. They both impact in different ways. Mm-hmm. And so and... I just, it just because it's not my favorite, any given episode might, might not be my favorite. Um, I can think of a couple that I really hated, really did. That doesn't mean that somebody else out there won't benefit from it. Right. Yeah. I, I, I even, you know, I'm, uh, let's see, 52 episodes in on this, uh, you know, and I release once a week. Um, but, you know, I have a couple where I was like, oh, you know, maybe I should have shouldn't have put that one out. But one of the ones where I thought I shouldn't have put it out, I've actually gotten messages back from people saying, oh, I, you know, hey, thanks for sharing that. You know, uh, I don't have the exact same story, but a lot of there was a lot of similarities. And so it was nice to hear my, you know, some somebody tell something of my story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even though it may not, like you just said, may not be my personal favorite, but if it affects somebody else, that's why I do this. I'm hoping that somebody will gain impact. You know, if I, if I can help one person an episode, I'm thrilled, mm-hmm. you know? So, okay. So, all right. Let's talk, let's talk about the, where we're going with your, where you're going with your podcast from here. What do you have upcoming? Uh, you know, do you, those are hard questions. Um, I, I know. And I know I you, have... you even said ahead of time, that was going to be a hard question, but I'll throw it out there but, anyway. But I, but I wrote it. So I actually, um, I'm, I'm sitting, I have an actual studio now that I'm in, you know, that's sound mm-hmm. treated and that kind of thing, which is pretty cool. This is the result of 2020. My husband is a college professor. And so we had our basement remodeled because until then he was sharing, not just my office, but my desk and so we decided that for the sake of our 20-year marriage we would have the basement redone <laughs> and so fair that, enough that's my space enough but so i went through about four months last year where i didn't record any new conversations i was just chipping away at my backlog and i ran out right around the first of the year i had nothing and it was panicking like i had no backup and so i overcorrected because I am want to do that on the regular in many, many mm-hmm. ways. And so now again, I've overdone a little bit and I have a lot of backup. Plus I didn't react real well to the first COVID vaccine. So I, I had, I stopped scheduling at that time. So I stopped scheduling in mid-March and I hadn't had anything for April. Okay. Haven't had anything from me. Although I keep recording anyway, because somebody would be like, can you, can I come on your show? And I'm like, yeah, I got nothing planned. And then I'm like, I talked to myself about this, but so <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I have, I don't have a whole lot on the docket coming up in terms of who I am recording with, but I can throw out some names of people that I have in my backlog that are coming out okay, soon. Cool. Um, this coming week, is the what 41st it's the anniversary i don't know number but the anniversary of the mount st helens explosion yeah i think it's right around there yeah um it's 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 may 18th is the is the anniversary and so this coming week i have a crossover with cutting class um which is stay stays quite on topic we're not exactly scripted or well-behaved but it stays on topic about the mount st helens eruption so i'm looking forward to that um i one of my favorite things is to sort of scoop up new podcasters that i catch somewhere and be like oh come talk on my show quick before somebody else catches you because i want to i want to get the fresh new little poddlers who haven't grown up the poddlers (laughs) 
I love it. Uh, I, I was, I, I take credit. I'm proud of that word. I, I you was, should. I was typed up in uh, CBC online for that, for that word. So probably, yes. That's awesome. Um, but so one was uh, Doomsday podcast, which is about okay. natural and man-made disasters that were not handled especially well and what to do if you find yourself in those situations. Interesting. Um, I have recently recorded with the host of Autopsy, which is pretty much what you'd think it's about. Um, sure. Tara from Three Spooked Girls, um, Appalachian, Appalachian Mysteria, which is a, a true crime mm -hmm. um, out of West Virginia. Um, I've also talked to uh, an actor named Brian Feldudo, who was in School of Rock. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Amber Hunt, who did Accused and now Crimes of the Centuries. Um, so many. Like, I have, like, 15 or 20 that are stacked up and ready to go. And it's just... All right. It's just the best. It's just a mix, all of them. You know, I feel like I several of mine upcoming are sort of crimey in nature, which I sort of go in waves where sometimes I'll go a month and a half with no crime at all. And then other times I'm like, okay, which murder are we going to talk about today? <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. So I, I want to ask you two questions. And these are the same two questions I ask every single guest who's ever been on my show, except for one. One person snuck through, and I don't, I still don't know how it happened. But Terry, you know who I'm talking about. It is you. Uh, anyway, uh, no, I love Terry. She she came on my show. She had a uh, phenomenal story. But I, so somehow I forgot to ask her these questions. The first question is, looking over the, the entirety of your journey through life, what is the greatest lesson that you have learned? Not to regret. That regret like there are things that I've lived through mm -hmm. that were pretty miserable at the time. I, I, I didn't enjoy breaking my back. I didn't enjoy dying in childbirth. I didn't enjoy the loss of my father. I didn't enjoy, like I've had some big, bad stuff have happened, mm -hmm. but if you, I, I'm a very firm believer in the butterfly effect okay. and you know, that if you change one thing, you might change everything. And All so right. that's a really strong lesson to me is where I am right now is pretty good. It's, it's okay. And, and if I had changed any of these things in my past, I wouldn't be exactly here the way it is. All right. Yeah. You wouldn't be Kate. True. Yeah, you'd be a different version. Okay. I can respect that. The second question is pretty similar to the first in its nature. Looking back over the course of your journey, what was the best piece of advice that you were given that you still use? Oh, oh God, I don't know. Um, I don't listen to people very much. No, I do. I, 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 I don't know. I, um, I don't really think about advice in snippet form. Um, more, I tend to absorb stories and advice mm -hmm. and th it happens then like, like now where I kind of, I can't attribute where I learned a thing or how I learned a thing. Um, I think one of the best pieces of advice I learned, you know, when I was going to school, for instance, for, you know, 
studying psychology was that whole um, thing that they say about don't go to bed angry. Yeah, no, just get your sleep. It's okay to go to bed mad and deal with it tomorrow. That that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Like so, by and large, a lot of those sorts of maxims of let me word it this way. I don't use the word should and I don't use the word just because those are bad words. I'll okay. say other words, all that I've worked in a prison. I'll say any word you want me to say, and that's fine. You know, that, like the big bad words, the, the FCC words, that, yeah. that, you know, <laughs> that are regulated over the airways. Those don't bother me, but it bothers me when I hear someone should all over themselves. I should have done this. I should have done that. I should be like this. I should think that way. I don't like that. Okay. And I don't like just because just is minimizing and it's devaluing somebody. So I think those are, those are the sorts of things that, you know, I don't speak in absolutes very often, but I, I don't like those words. All right. I can appreciate that. The reason I ask those questions is, is, you know, I, I like to hear people's different responses, of course, and it always kind of ties into their story. And it also helps kind of round out their personality for me and help me understand who they are and, and what they are. And um, and oftentimes I tell my my guest uh, the, the greatest piece of advice that I, I ever got. I, I can attribute it back to somebody. His name was Tim Bland. I uh, came through when I was about 16 years old. I was in a really rough spot in my life. And I felt bad because I had, I had done a bunch of really dumb things, you know, as a teenager, 16. Yeah. I I was young and dumb. I, you know, 16 year old boy, but I felt really bad about some of these things. And, and, you know, when you're 16, you do see things in absolutes and you, you know, you have this very long tunnel vision that, you know, there's, there's, there's no gray area. It's black or it's white. And this is the way it is. Um, You don't, you don't, you haven't learned to appreciate the gray areas of life yet. And you know, one of the things he told me was, it doesn't matter that you fell. It matters that you pick, that you get back up. And so I, that's the reason, that's why I ask what people's, you know, best piece of advice is that they've gotten, because I'm 44 years old. This, that piece of advice has been in my life for 28 years. And for 28 years, I've repeated that more times than I can probably shake a stick at, you know, because when I'm talking to my own kids or I'm talking to somebody else or, you know, somebody that's, going through a rough spot in life. Hey, you know, it doesn't matter that you felt we're all imperfect. We're all going to make mistakes. It's, it's how we rebound that we allow ourselves to rebound, you know, and, and do the best we can at it. Nobody's expecting us to be perfect. So, but so anyway, that's me. Mm -hmm. That's why, that's why I do that. Okay. So we've talked about your story with your back. We've talked about how that led into podcasting. We've talked about how cool ignorance was bliss actually is and why everybody should be subscribing to it because I do. And I think it's really cool. And I think that, you know, I'm hoping my listeners will go give your show a listen because I really, I really honestly enjoy your show very much. Um, I I love the twists and turns of the conversation. And now knowing, like we said earlier, knowing that it's extemporaneous even makes it a better thing for me. Um, But where can people find you? And again, remind them how often you or what days you you release episodes so they know where to find you and, and when to find you. Oh, I, what days? I, you, whenever I have a couple hours of free time is when I come <laughs> down and release an episode. So, you know. Okay, fair enough. It's, I don't have release dates. And, and you know, I, I decided because that is a piece of advice that I sort of gave myself 
I guess as a podcaster was, I, this has to remain more fun than stress. Sure. And that means I don't, for me, I don't do well with deadlines. They stress me out. And so I, some weeks I have three, four episodes, some weeks, I'll, you know, I'll go dark for an entire week or two, depending on where my, my physical health is at and my mental health is at. And I have to be okay with that. Uh, but I'm at iwbpodcast.com and all of the social media is IWB podcast. I have a Facebook group, which is fantastic. It is just as irreverent and random, but also it's a solid, safe space, you know, a supportive space. It's called the asylum, both because we're all a little off in there, but also because it's a safe <laughs> space. Um, it's literally my favorite place on the internet. Awesome. Um, so I'm online all the time. All right. Excellent. Well, guys, uh, make sure that you go and you, you check out Kate and you check out Ignorance Was Bliss. I guarantee that it's it's something that uh, there's something there for everyone. I, I will guarantee that there, you know, you don't have to like just true crime. You don't have to like, um, you know, movies, talk about movies or books or whatever. There's literally with 320 some on episodes in there, there's something for everybody. So go check it out at uh, IWBpodcast.com. All right, guys, that was our show for tonight. I want to say thank you to Kate uh, for coming you. on. Thank you for being here and uh, and and putting up with me and, and, and chatting with me. I really enjoyed having you here tonight. All right, guys, thank you so much for watching and listening to Focused on Forward. Well, that concludes another episode of Focused on Forward. To be a guest of Focused on Forward, you can reach us through Twitter at podcastfof through our Facebook page named Focused On Forward or through email focusedonforward at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing each and every one of your stories that has yet to be told. So until then, be safe, be kind, and be loving to one another as you stay focused on forward.